Let's stand and take our Bibles this morning. Luke chapter 11. We're in Luke 16 during the Bible hour. We're going to be Luke 11 um, for this morning's service. Luke chapter 11. Please look around. If your neighbor does not have a Bible, would you be kind enough to share your Bible with them? And so they can have their bearing and their place for the message today. Luke chapter 11 and verse 1. Be back here tonight for evening service. I know it's summer and we have more daylight. And that's more of an incentive to be back in church uh, for tonight. And we're looking forward to being back in our series in 2 Samuel tonight. And I'm excited about the message. And I know it'll be a blessing to you from 2 Samuel 2. But this morning we're in Luke chapter 11 on a mini-series we're doing on prayer for the next few Sundays there. And then we're going to be getting into a new mini-series in, in, in July and in August. Verse 1, follow as I read, please. And it came to pass that as he was praying in a certain place, when he seized, one of his disciples said unto him, Lord, teach us to pray as John also taught his disciples. And he said unto them, when ye pray, say, Our Father, which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, as in heaven, so in earth. Give us day by day our daily bread and forgive us our sins. For we also forgive everyone that is indebted to us and lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. And he said unto them, which of you shall have a friend and shall go unto him at midnight and say unto him, friend, lend me three loaves for a friend of mine in his journey is come to me and I have nothing to set before him. And he from within shall answer and say, Trouble me not, the door is now shut, and my children are with me in bed. I cannot rise and give thee. I say unto thee, though he will not rise and give him, because he is his friend, yet because of his importunity, he will rise and give him as many as he needeth. And I say unto you, ask, and it shall be given unto you. Seek, and ye shall find. Knock, and it shall be opened unto you. For every one that asketh, receiveth, and he that seeketh, findeth and to him that knocketh it shall be opened if a man shall ask bread of any of you that is a father will he give him a stone and if he asks for a fish will he give him for a fish will he for a fish give him a serpent or if you shall ask an egg will he offer him a scorpion if ye then being evil know how to give good gifts unto your children how much more shall your heavenly father give the holy spirit to them that ask of him I draw your attention this morning to verse 1. The disciples were greatly intrigued in hearing the Lord Jesus Christ pray. I think you and I would have felt the same. He was so in contact with the Father. They felt like they were in the very audience of God Himself. And they came maybe with tears coming down their eyes and a quiver in their voice. And they said, Lord, teach us to pray. And I think a lot of us can identify with that. We might feel like we've never gotten out of the kindergarten of prayer. Remind of a story of a little boy that his parents were trying to teach him how to pray. He was about four years old. And every night he would kneel at his bed and his mother would sit right beside him or kneel with him. And every now and then, Grandma, who lived with them, would, would come inside the bedroom. And that particular night, both his mother and grandmother came into the room as the little boy prayed. And he went through his routine. He got down on his knees. He prayed something like this. Dear God, please bless Mommy and Daddy and all the family. 
And please give me a good night's sleep. You know, just a little child's prayer like that. He'd say something like that. But as he said so, he didn't say amen. There was a long silence, and his mother kind of opened one eye and peeked as she noticed that he was pausing to say something. And as he did so, he shouted out very loud, I mean very loudly, so the whole house could hear, and he says something like this. He said, and Lord, don't forget to give me a bicycle next week. And his mother said, son, there's no need to raise your voice with God. God is not deaf. And the little boy said, yeah, mommy, but grandma's deaf, and I want to make sure I get that bicycle next week. Amen? And I remind you this morning as we pray, God is not deaf. You might feel like he's deaf, but the reason why you feel that way is not because of God. It might be because of you and me. This morning, as we do this mini-series for the next few weeks, the greatest revival we need individually and corporately as a church is to learn how to pray. To learn how to pray. Lord, teach us to pray. Father, this morning, that's our prayer. Teach us to pray. Lord, you create a hunger, a thirst, a longing in our hearts as, as the body of Christ at Heritage Baptist Church. New believers... Seasoned believers, to be in your audience, to be in your presence, to learn to pray, to seek out God and know there's power in prayer and the God who answers prayer. Oh, God, meet with us this morning. Thank you for the very beautiful song that was just sung, Down from His Glory. Thank you that Jesus, though clothed with glory, humbled Himself became a man that he might die on the cross for our sins. Thank you that he rose again from the dead. And may the truth of that doctrine, may the reality of a risen Christ speak to our hearts today. Bless our service today. Meet with us. Teach us, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated. Lord, teach us to pray. Do you pray? Did you pray this morning? Did you pray this last night? Did you pray at all this week? Do you pray? We've been studying about the life of the Lord Jesus Christ to go with our series for our theme for this year, all for Jesus. And we've taken our theme out of Hebrews 2 9, but we see Jesus. And our prayer this morning is we've seen Jesus in his power. We've seen Jesus as he's taught the parables. We've seen Jesus in his priorities. It's my prayer these next few weeks as we get into the thrust of the summer that we see Jesus and prayer. I believe every Christian, every person in this room today believes in prayer. I believe that there are those of us here today who believe that there's a God who answers prayer. Can I hear an amen about that? I believe we have a God. We know there's a God that's real. But I also believe, having been a Christian for 45 years, that there are many Christians who struggle in their heart of hearts, who desire desperately to to know that they can have their prayers answered consistently and frequently and often and even daily in their lives. They struggle in their praying. They struggle just to find time to pray. They struggle just to know that God can meet with them in prayer. F.B. Meyer said this, The greatest tragedy of life is not unanswered prayer, but unoffered prayer. Dr. Curtis Hudson said, There's more that you can do after you pray, but there's nothing that you can do until you pray. 
Dr. Robert Murray McShane, if you don't have any of his books, get his books. Robert Murray McShane was not a long preacher, but when he preached, the things he said captivate the attention of the Scottish audience that he preached to. Robert Murray McShane, many great things he said, said this. What a man is on his knees before God, that he is and nothing more. Our desire this morning is to have the same request that the disciples had. Lord, teach us to pray. Would you notice several things as they asked that of the Lord Jesus? And Jesus took that moment, wherever he was at, and transformed that into a platform whereby he taught his disciples about the principles of prayer. Notice number one this morning, if you would, the injunction for prayer. An injunction is a command, a directive. Jesus and God give us an injunction concerning prayer. Matthew 7, 7, which is quoted also here in, in Luke eleven nine. Jesus makes prayer very simple. Prayer is not a science. Prayer is entering to the presence of God. Ask and ye shall receive. Seek and ye shall find. Knock and it shall be opened unto you. Philippians chapter 4 verses 6 and 7. The apostle Paul makes very simple the injunction for prayer. Be careful for nothing. All of us have worries and concerns and anxieties. And some of us are worry warts. We worry about everything. We're anxious about things. But the Apostle Paul, knowing that we are worry warts and we're anxious, and many of us do have anxieties, we're concerned about the uncertainties of tomorrow, the uncertainties of a doctor's diagnosis, the uncertainty of a test result, the uncertainties of many things. By the way, the moment you turned 18 and you became an adult, you realize life is about many, many uncertainties. And yet the Apostle Paul, by the leadership of the Holy Spirit, told us this in Philippians chapter 4, verse 6, be careful or anxious or be not worried over nothing. Be careful for nothing. But in everything, not in some things, not in a few things, not in what your preferences are, but in everything by prayer and supplication, let your request be made known to God. You know what God's telling us? To boil down our life to the very simplest things of life, to the very complex things of life, and everything by prayer and supplication to let your request be made known unto God. You say, well, God's too busy to hear me pray. I want to correct that. God's never too busy to hear you pray. You might say, well, God's too big to hear me pray. I want to correct that. God is big, but He wants you to pray. Prayer is when you and I realize we need a holy God to intervene in life. We need God to do what we cannot do. And when you get along the Christian life, you're going to come to this realization, without God, you're nothing. Without God, you can do nothing. By the way, without God, this church can do nothing. Without God, this church can go nowhere. We need God, amen? You need God in your life. You're being bothered. You have problems. You have weights that are weighing you down. You have problems and concerns that are weighing down. I'm going to tell you this morning, you need God. Be careful for nothing. Nothing, but in everything by prayer and supplication, let your requests be made known unto God. Listen to this, 1 Timothy 2.1. The Apostle Paul told Pastor, Pastor, uh, Pastor Timothy over the church at Ephesus, I exhort therefore that first of all, hey, you know he's telling the church, the main priority in church, we need to be a praying church. He said, first of all, that prayers and supplications and intercessions and giving of thanks be made for, for all men. First of all, hey, listen, as you come to church, you ought to be thankful that you can come in and say, you know, if I got a burden, I know someone will pray with me. I know someone will pray for me. First of all, prayer is our first priority. For prayer is our second priority. Prayer is our last priority. Prayer is a frequent priority. It's a priority. Psalms 81.10, I'm the Lord thy God, which brought thee forth out of the land of Egypt. 
open thy mouth wide and I will fill it. There's the injunction to pray. God told Jeremiah during a time as, as the, the nation of Judah was being taken into captivity. Nebuchadnezzar had invaded the land. Jerusalem had been, had been ransacked and there was famine and there was death and some had been killed by the sword. And Nebuchadnezzar took the remnant of their young men and their young people down into Babylon. He said this during a time when the prophet Jeremiah was discouraged and down in his mouth and wondering whether or not there was any hope. He told the prophet Jeremiah, call unto me and I'll answer thee and show thee great and mighty things which thou knowest not. We have an injunction to pray. Do you pray? Do you only pray to God when there's an emergency? Do you only pray to God when you feel like you need to pray? Do you only pray to God when we have organized prayer time? Do you only pray to God when you really feel like you're at the most critical need in your life? Or do you just pray? There's the injunction to pray. God calls on you and me to pray. We can pray anywhere to God. We can pray at any time to God. The psalmist said, morning, evening, and at noontime, I will lift up my voice unto God. We need to pray. There's the injunction to pray. But notice in our passage this morning, not number two, would you notice the instruction to pray? The disciples came. And they were mesmerized. They were overwhelmed at hearing the eloquence of the Lord Jesus Christ as He prayed. He, to be, he seemed to be so connected to the Heavenly Father. They felt like as He prayed, oh, we're so lacking in our praying. They felt like we need to pray like He prayed. You see, the apostles were, were around that time when, when Jesus came, during that time, whenever the Pharisees prayed, the Pharisees would pray prayers that just bounced off the ceiling. You know, this morning, I want to tell you something, brother and sister in Christ. When we think about prayer, did you know the heathen pray? Did you know heathen pray? People without the Lord, they pray. I mean, every false religion, they pray. Heathen pray. Uh, Pastor Brinkman preached about hell this morning in our, in our Bible. Did you know people in hell pray? Heathen pray. People in hell pray. Do you know even hypocrites pray? The Pharisee was a hypocrite. He said, Lord, I'm thankful I'm not like that man. But you know what? If heathen pray and people in hell pray and hypocrites pray, how much more God's people should pray? Amen? God's people should pray. And so the disciples were longing. They said, we want to be able to pray like Jesus. We want to be able to get results in our praying. We want to be able to see consistent answers to prayer. We want to know that intimately we've met with the Heavenly Father. We want to know that we have an audience with God. And so they said, Lord, teach us to pray. And so the Lord, you'll notice here, verses 2 through 5, gives them some simple instructions to pray. Now, I'm going to help you this morning. You'll just capture for just a few moments what I'm going to tell you now. This will help you to have a progressive path that you can get on to teach you how to pray. Notice, first of all, in verse 2, as he gives us this instruction, Jesus speaks about a privileged paternity in this instruction. A privileged paternity. He said, when you pray, say, Our Father. Hey, this morning, I have some good news for you today. You know Jesus Christ is your Savior. The Heavenly Father is your Father today. Yesterday, we had a good group of people out to go soul winning on organized soul winning Saturday. And I realize we have a lot of folks on vacation. And I want to encourage a lot of you to your, your entry level, your baseline for getting involved in the church. You ought to come Saturday morning to organize outreach. And we'll pair you with somebody who's experienced. But just to go with us and watch as we get the gospel people. And we went to visit a lady that, that came out for the first time in our church a, a week or two ago. And as we got in. It was a it was an apartment complex and we got inside there and and uh, so that's just a story to itself. And we prayed before and we got in there. They buzzed us in. And as we, we got to the lady's door, knocked on the door and we started talking, we realized as she was talking, she told us who invited her. And we were trying to put the name together there. And we found out, realized that there were several people on that on that floor we were at that had come to our church one time or another. And uh, the Lord gave us opportunity to witness the three different families yesterday. But the highlight of all that is that we got to the very last home of a lady who'd been coming to our church 
church for a period of time. She invited us in. We got to meet her husband for the first time. Witnessed the, the, the two of them and another lady that, that, that was there. And we're thankful that lady, we, we, she'd never trusted Christ, her Savior, had been in church, but had never trusted Christ. We're thankful yesterday that about 1245 in the afternoon, the lady bowed her head and trusted Jesus Christ as her Savior. And her husband heard the gospel for the first time. And we're praying that God opened his heart to us so we can go back to him. But here's, here's what I'm going to say. As we're talking with her, we said, you know what? It's a wonderful thing that you've become in a church. But today, for the very first time in your life, God has become your Heavenly Father from this point on. And you see this morning, if you know Jesus Christ, your Savior, God is your Heavenly Father. Listen to what the Bible says. He says in Romans 8, 14 to 15, For as many as are led by the Spirit of God, they are the sons of God. For we have not received the spirit of adoption, a bondage again to fear, but you received the spirit of adoption, whereby we cry, Abba, Father. Now, I love that phrase there in verse 15 of Romans 8. It says we cry, Abba, Father. That's a term of intimacy. That's a term of endearment. That's a, that's a term of a little child calling to his daddy and saying, Daddy, Daddy. And you know, when you're, you're a dad and your, your little sons come to you and they say, Daddy, your little daughters say, Daddy, there's something about that that just touches the heart of a father and a mother. And that's just a great thing. And, there, and God's telling us, you know, you just got saved. You know the Lord is your Savior. You can say, Abba, Father, 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 Daddy, Daddy, almost in that sense. God is our Heavenly Father. The story's told many, many years ago, back in the Middle Ages, during the times of the kings during England, how a king was reigning on his throne and on a particular day he called the council together. Was meeting with his council in the inner chambers, and the door had been shut. And the king, the king gave specific instructions that no one was to bother him. And so he was in the midst of discussion with his council about their kingdom and getting reports about the kingdom, things of that nature. And they heard this loud noise outside. They heard a banging and a clanging. They heard a knock at the door, and they noticed the door. Nothing was happening. And then all of a sudden, the door just kind of rushed, was pushed open, and it just kind of was slammed open. And this little toddler, about this size, just came running into the into the king's chamber there. And the door came open. And, the, and all the king's attendants were kind of wondering what's going on here. And one man that was a, an attendant there stopped the little boy and said, Son, you, this is the king's council. You can't interfere with the king. He's having a meeting right here now. But the little boy looked at him with a smile and then looked over at the king. He said, To you, he's your king. But to me, he's my daddy. And when he said that, he ran immediately to his dad, the king. The king, seeing his son, kind of changed his whole temperament and kind of crouched down like this and opened his arms to receive his son and to embrace him and hold him. You know, when God becomes your father and he comes to you by because your father, the moment you put your faith in Jesus Christ as Savior, he received you just like that. There's a privileged paternity. God, Jesus said, when you pray, say, our father, come to God knowing that he loves you. Come to God knowing that he's your father in heaven. Come to God knowing that he receives you. That's why I love to say when I pray, oh, heavenly father, because he's our father who loves us. We have a privileged paternity. But Jesus didn't stop there. Notice in verses two through five, he gives us a practical pattern here. He gives us a pattern how to pray now as you study this in matthew chapter seven uh, matthew chapter six these words that we hear that repeated in different groups you know different types of groups this is not the exact prayer we're to pray he's giving us a pattern of how to pray he's giving us some elements that ought to be part of our praying but he's not encouraging us to use these same repeat words because they can fall into the pattern of what's called vain repetitions vain repetitions where you just say the same thing over and over again where there's no heart in what you say he's giving us a pattern a very practical pattern of how to pray notice what he says here 
here. Notice we, be, we sh- our praying should begin with praise to God. He says, hallowed or praise or honored be thy name. You know, the very first thing you heard Brother Denny pray that this morning as we enter to the presence of God. We praise God for his name. We praise him that there's none other name given among men under heaven whereby we must be saved. The Bible says from the rising of the sun to the going down of the same, the Lord's name is to be praised. Listen, Jesus is the sweetest name I know. Hallowed be thy name. You can spend an hour of just praying, hallowed be thy name. Lord, thank you that you're creator. Thank you that you're God. Thank you that you're my father. Thank you, the God of all grace. Thank you, the God of all comfort. Thank you, the God of all mercy. Thank you, the God of love. Thank you, the God of justice. Thank you, the God of truth. Thank you, Jesus, the way, the truth, and the life. Thank you, you're the good shepherd who laid down your life for the sheep. Thank you today that you're the light of the world. Thank you today that you're Jehovah Jireh, the Lord who provides. Thank you today that you're El Shaddai, the Lord God Almighty. I mean, you could go all and on and on. He says, hallowed be the name of God. In his instruction, he's teaching us to praise God for his name. But notice something else as we go from there. He says, thy kingdom come. In this pattern, he's teaching us about the priority in prayer. When you pray, it's not all about you and it's not all about me. When you pray, notice Jesus said, thy kingdom come. It's the eminence of the fact that the Lord, that, that what we're living in in this world is temporary. God is going to one day set up his kingdom on earth. He said, I realize God's kingdom is going to be established at the second coming. We talked about that last week. And Jesus teaches to remind us the bigger part in life, we're to live for the glory of God. Listen, when we live, we need to be remind ourselves we're just one heartbeat away from entering to eternity. There's just a step between us and death. And we have to remind ourselves, as Pastor Brinkman mentioned in our adult Bible, we must keep the main thing, the main thing. And the main thing is just a Christian to remind yourself people around us need the Lord. They need the gospel. They need to get saved. He said, thy kingdom come. Well, listen, I don't know about you, but I want to, I, I want as many people as possible who are not saved to be in the kingdom of God when it comes. Amen. We're reminded today as Jesus spoke to a leading Pharisee of his day, one of the elite Pharisees of his day, a man by the name of Nicodemus, he said, except a man be born again, he cannot enter to the kingdom of God. Listen, this morning, God is talking about his kingdom is coming. As we pray, we're to praise him. As we pray, we're to be reminded of his priorities. But notice, as we pray, we're reminded that we need to pray for our provisions. He said, give us this day our daily bread. You know something interesting about that, that phrase there, give us this day our daily bread? He's teaching us, don't be so caught up with tomorrow that you're worrying about tomorrow. Now, I don't know about you, I can only eat enough for today. Now, sometimes I see food and I like food, but I can only eat enough for today. I can't eat enough for tomorrow, amen? Sometimes you feel like that, and sometimes as you get to a banqueting situation, you, your eyes are bigger than your appetite, and you feel like you eat those things. But the Lord taught us to te- taught us to pray, give us this day our daily bread, so we will not be caught up with covetousness and avarice and greed and things of that nature. He says, just give me what I need for today, that we'd be satisfied by the Lord. You see, if the opposite of contentment is covetousness, and the opposite of covetousness is contentment, and give us this day our daily bread is teaching us to be content in the Lord's provision. Whether we have or have not, we can be content in Him. But notice something else as He's teaching us to pray. He says, Our Father, which art in heaven, hallowed be Thy name. There should be praise. Thy kingdom come. It's His priority. That will be done as in heaven, so on earth. We're to pray for His priority, but we're to pray for His provision. Give us day by day our daily bread. But notice in verse 4, we're to pray for pardon. Jesus teaches us to pray. He's reminding us that, you know, we live amongst people. And sometimes we live amongst people, and he's probably thinking about just the inner circle, people's families. He's saying, Lord, forgive us our sins. 
He's thinking, you know, during along the way, we committed a sin. We had a bad thought. We had a bad attitude. We had a bad spirit. We said something we should not have said. We crossed a line we should not have gone to. Whatever it may be, it's to cause us to examine our hearts every time we enter to the presence of God and say, Lord, how did I sin against you? You've either committed a sin of the flesh or sin of the spirit. You've either have sins of omission or sins of, of commission. Whatever it may be, we need to pray for pardon. And then he said in verse 4, we're to ask God for pity. He says, for we also forgive everyone that is indebted to us. Now that is very powerful because as we pray, sometimes we can get so focused focused on ourselves, we forget about or tend to just kind of keep out of our thoughts people that may have hurt us and people that have offended us. And he teaches, keep all accounts short. Keep all accounts clear. He says, and Lord, help me to forgive those who are indebted to me. Help me to forgive those who've done me in. Now, if you've lived long enough around life, you've probably been burned. You probably, someone's taken advantage of you. Someone's probably done you in somehow. And if you're not very careful as a Christian, you can let that weigh on your spirit and you go on with life with a chip on your shoulder thinking, well, because he burned me or she burned me, everyone else in life is going to burn me. I have some good news for you. Everyone else in life is not going to burn you. Amen. But if we have to have a spirit and attitude to say, Lord, help me that my spirit is right before God. Because you know what? As you get into Luke chapter 18, as he goes further in prayer, he teaches us if we don't forgive other people, God cannot answer our prayers. It's an impediment to our praying. So we're to pray for pardon. We're to pray for pity. But notice one other thing. Jesus teaches to pray for protection. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. Alexander Solzhenitsyn, when I was a kid growing up, was very famous because he'd been delivered from a Russian labor camp. And he was talking about a book that was written by a man, about a man by the name of Ivan Denisovich. Ivan Denisovich was also a man that was incarcerated in a Russian communist labor camp. And Ivan Denisovich was a Christian. He was a wonderful Christian, a godly man who endured all the horrors of a Soviet prison camp. And they recount there, Alexander Solzhenitsyn was recounting how one day he was listening to Ivan praying and Ivan had his eyes closely shut very tightly and they were closed and he was praying and as he was praying, he was praying for God to deliver him. And they said, and some of the fellow prisoners looked and they said this, they said, Ivan, prayers won't help you get out of here any faster. And Ivan, as he opened his eyes with the look of an angel on his face, he answered them by saying this, I do not pray to get out of prison, but to do the will of God. And as we pray every day, Jesus gives us instruction to have purpose in our praying, to purpose that we would do the will of God. A lady back during the time of the Depression was was very discouraged and she was down to nothing. And, and uh, Christmas time came and her husband was serving in the military. And she was wondering, what am I going to do for Christmas dinner for my children? You can imagine a mother just trying to raise her children at Christmas time and and people were just caught up with their own world, their own things. And she had nothing, nothing in the cupboards, nothing at all. And back in those days, they didn't have refrigerators. They didn't have freezers. And, and so she decided, she prayed over that night. And she wrote us some things on a piece of paper. And, and God impressed her heart. I want you to go to the corner store. And go to the corner store where the groceries are sold. And meat is sold. I want you to go to the butcher there. And just present that man a piece of paper. And tell him what your needs are. And so she just felt like that's what the Lord wanted her to do. And she went to the store on Christmas Eve. And the store is winding up things. And she gave this piece of paper to the butcher. And she said, sir, you know, I, I just Christmas is coming. And I just be honest with you. I don't have anything. I have nothing to present my children. We're going to go without uh, without a meal. And I'm fine for them. But for the children's sake, I feel like for Christmas, I need to give them something. And God laid on my heart to come to you and ask you if you would do something to help provide some food for us. She said, she said, uh, would you would you do something for us? There's something you could do for us that you help us with that. And he said, well, write your prayer on a piece of paper and you can have its weight in groceries. Now, he's giving her basically like an open checkbook. He says, write out what you want on a piece of paper, and I will whatever the weight of that is, I will give it to you in terms of grocery. And he said that somewhat sarcastic to her. 
And she said, well, you won't believe this, sir, but that's what the Lord impressed on my heart last night. And she gave him a list, and the list from the 8 by 11 piece of paper from the top to the bottom. She had a list of all these groceries she wanted. She wanted a turkey, she wanted a roast beef, you know, she wanted loaves of bread, things like that. She had all these things. Other. And, the, and the man looked at her and says, you've got to be kidding, lady. But he says, you know, I'll humor you anyway. And he took the piece of paper and he put it on the scale. And she put it on the scale, he says, ma'am, I'll, I'll just show you. He says, I, I, pro- I promise this. He says, you can have the weight of this in terms of all the groceries. He says, whatever this weighs at the end, you can have this. And, you know, and so he's, he's thinking, well, it's not going to happen here. And he puts, a, he puts some things on there. And he noticed the scale's not moving. It just stays on zero. It's not moving. And he keeps adding more things and more things. He looks at the list and he's thinking, well, it's got to start weighing. It's got to start showing up here. And after a long while, he started to notice that his scale must have been broken. Nothing was happening there. And he got disgusted with himself and the situation. He said, well, ma'am... I've got to tend to other customers. Here's a grocery bag. You just take all the things off that scale. It must be broken anyway, and you fill it up and walk away with it. She had all these groceries there, roast beef and things like that. Little did he know that woman had prayed that God would meet her need, and God somehow just readjusted his scale that moment in time so that lady's needs could be met there. Now, I'm not telling you that's what you should pray for, amen? But I'm just saying this morning, we have a God who teaches us how to pray and get a hold of him. We see the instructions in praying. We see the injunction in praying. But notice something else, if you would. As we get into our passage, Jesus is teaching us how to pray. Now notice thirdly, notice the intention in praying. Why do you pray? Why do you pray? Yes, we pray to enter the presence of God. But let's be honest. As John R. Rice would say, praying is asking. Asking you shall receive. Listen, the intention why you pray, you're coming to God to intervene on your behalf. You're coming to God because you're saying, God, I need you to do what I cannot do. When you pray, you're exercising faith. Listen, Hebrews eleven six says, without faith, it's impossible to please him. For he that cometh to God, that's prayer, must believe that he is and rewarder of them that diligently seek him. We pray because we have a God who answers prayer. We pray because we want God to intervene on our behalf. We pray because we need God. Listen, we live our lives day by day in a state of emergency that we need God. But remind this morning, God is not a 911 number that you come to. God enjoys your fellowship with him. But we must come to God. The intention in prayer is to see his results. He says, ask and it shall be given you. Seek and ye shall find. Knock and it shall be opened unto you. For everyone that asketh receiveth. And everyone that seeketh findeth. And he that knocketh shall be opened unto him. Hebrews 4.16 was written to believers who were discouraged. Believers who had gone backwards in the Christian faith. Believers who had become doubting of the word of God. Believers had gone to the place where prayer where they were miss and skip and miss and skip and they're praying and the apostle, the apostle Paul as he wrote Hebrews chapter 4 is encouraging them and beckoning them to come back to the presence of God and he said to them in Hebrews 4 16 let us therefore come boldly before the throne of grace hey listen before you got saved God's throne is a place of justice it's a place where God has to judge our sins it's a place of justice but praise the Lord when you got saved it became a throne of grace amen where he beckons us invites us to come into his presence he says let us therefore come boldly before and to the throne of grace that we may obtain mercy and find grace to help in time of need. God promises you and me this when we come to him in prayer. He promises grace and he promises help. He promises to put his arms around us. He promises to help us. He promises to give us strength for the journey. He promises to help us along the way. Notice in Luke chapter 11 verse 13, he said this, 
If ye then, he's giving an analogy of how fathers uh, operate with their children. And he's used this analogy to talk about how God operates with us. If ye then, being evil, know how to give good gifts unto your children, how much more shall your heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit to them that ask of him? In Matthew seven eleven, he says the same thing, but the wording he uses in that particular time, he quotes this. He says, if ye then, being evil, know how to give good things to your children, how much more shall your heavenly Father give good things to ask him? You know what God's saying there? He realizes we want want to see answers to our prayer and he invites us and he beckons us to come and expect God to answer our prayers. Hey, listen this morning. Joshua prayed for God to hold the sun still in Joshua 10 and God held the sun still for him for 24 hours. Hannah, who was infertile and unable to have children, prayed for a son and a son that would serve God all the days of his life. And God answered her prayer. Elijah, as we saw Wednesday night, if you were here Wednesday night or you watched my live stream, Elijah prayed an impossible prayer. He asked God to change the unchangeable. He prayed for a widow woman whose son had died and she watched as he breathed his last breath. He prayed for that woman to get her son back and she got her son back. Jehoshaphat, the king, prayed for God to blind the eyes of the enemy, the Assyrian army or the Syrian army, so that God would enable him to have victory. And God gave him that victory. The church at Jerusalem in Acts chapter 12 prayed for Peter to be released from prison. And while they were praying, Peter came back to the house where the many were assembled and they're praying. Hey, listen, 15 to 20 people, eight, uh, 20 years ago, began praying for Heritage Baptist Church. Many of those same founding members are in the room this morning. We didn't know the name of the church. We didn't know where the church would be located. We didn't really have any idea how God would unfold things. But listen, today, those 15 to 20 people that are here today, they are living answered prayer today. God answering prayer and making manifest a church that is here in the Bay Area in a very difficult part of the world and working. God answered prayer. We pray for the city to allow our church to expand. They previously, in 2007, told us we could not expand. Six months after this, we prayed. God answered prayer and they did so. Earlier this year, I didn't tell the churches, but I was praying for our big day that God would give us 700 that day and we went right over that. We had 703. We prayed uh, for we prayed for our special offering. We recently have. And I didn't tell the church the number I was praying. I told one or two of the deacons, but that was pretty much it. And God exceeded way beyond what we prayed for. Several years ago, we started our spiritual Asian leadership training ministry where God would use us in different parts of Asia to go and help come alongside of pastors and training men. And uh, I was reminded of a, from a newsletter we got from one of our missionaries in Beijing of a man that I had met two years ago as I was preaching in one of our SALT conferences. And we were preaching in Pastor Eddie Ray's church as we preached that first night uh, about Jesus calling us to be fishers of men. Fifteen to twenty men had surrendered to the gospel ministry to be preached to the gospel. One of those men happens to be Pastor Jeremy Jin's church in Beijing. And uh, Pastor Jeremy had sent a letter to us recently and was talking about that brother by the name of Paul. And he said Paul was there in the service. And he was reminding Pastor Jin. He said, I just want to remind you, Pastor. He says, I still can't forget that night when Pastor Fong preached. God worked in my heart from Matthew chapter 4, verse 19. Follow me and I'll make you fishers men. He said, that night I decided I'm going to follow Jesus all the way. This man's preparing to be a preacher, to go into his country and spread the gospel. Beloved, God answers prayer. Oh, this past week. I can't say a name, but one of our church members who's a business owner, one of our church members is a business owner that, that's locally here, ran into some problems with the city, and they were having some permit issues, and the city was talking about shutting down their business without a permit. They couldn't ro- operate their business, and quite honestly, the church member and their family has been stressed out and with a lot of anxiety about the situation. They made me aware of it about four weeks ago or so, and I met with them, put my arms around them. I said, let's pray, and let's ask God to do something about this. And this past Tuesday, they had to go to the local city government. They had all these elaborate plans they had to draw up and things they were told they were supposed to 
supposed to do. And they weren't even sure of the God, of how this was going to intervene. And as we got on the phone with them early on Tuesday morning, I said, hey, let's pray this. I said, I'm going to pray that God will give you somebody else that you can talk to, not the person who's been giving you trouble. Can we pray for that? And we began praying. I said, Lord, I said, God, you're the God of all creation. You're the God of heaven and earth. You're the God who never changes. You're the God who promised to answer prayer. And in the most powerful name of your son, Jesus Christ, I said, Lord, I'm praying today that you'd intervene for this dear church family. Their business and their future, their livelihood is at stake. If they don't get this, they don't get the approval today. The city's talking about shutting them down on a technicality that's not really their fault. It's really the city's fault. And I said, Lord, whoever this person is that they've been having to deal with for two months, that's been giving them trouble, would you provide today that you give them somebody else? And so the church family went to the, went to the city hall and they're waiting in line. And of all things, whatever happened, that the person who's supposed to see them wasn't there and another clerk saw them and, be, be, and they spent all this money and all this time to have these plans prepared. They're about to show it and they told the person what the need is. They said, oh yeah, you're approved to do that. I looked here in the records and they signed off it right there in the spot. They spent less than five minutes there. They signed off and said, you can go and operate and they got their permit. Praise the Lord. Amen. I'm saying I can tell you so many stories of prayer, how God intervenes and does things like that. I'm saying this morning, God wants to work in your life. Our intention while we pray for why we pray is to get God to move in our behalf, to see God answer prayer, to see God change and change. Hey, listen, this morning, do you pray? Lord, teach us to pray. Notice Luke 11. Jesus gives an injunction. Jesus gives us instructions. We know what our intention is, but Jesus has not finished teaching them how to pray. They wanted to learn how to pray. They wanted to know how they can get answers to prayer. They wanted to know why sometimes that they had more. If, you, if their win-loss ratio, there were more unanswered prayers than answered prayers. They want to know, God, what are we doing wrong here? And so notice we go to verse 5 and 6. Notice the insistence in prayer. Now, what do I tell you just this moment here? Please listen very carefully. This is where a lot of us miss it. Many of us are familiar with the, the, the acronym ACTS to guide us in our praying. You know, the word letter A, when you come to God in prayer, adoration, hallowed be thy name. The letter C, confession, forgive us our sins. The letter T, thanksgiving. The letter S, supplication. You bring your request before God. That's what the Apostle Paul said. I will, I exhort therefore, first of all, that supplications and prayers, intercessions be made for all men. We understand all that. But for many of us, our praying is like the disciples. We feel shallow. We feel inadequate. We feel helpless. We feel powerless. And honestly, in the heart of heart, a lot of Christians I know are frustrated when they just share their heart. They feel like God doesn't hear them. If you'll notice in verses 5 to verse 13, Jesus teaches us about the importance of insistence or importunity in prayer. Jesus is not done teaching them in prayer. Notice he continues on in verse 5 and says, and he said unto them, which of you? He's talking about a need we have. And this is the difference maker. Some will catch what I'm going to tell you this morning in verses 5 to 13, what Jesus says in verses 5 to 13. And your whole prayer life will be automatically transformed. You'll see a revolution. You're praying. You'll see God raise you up to be a mighty warrior of prayer. You're going to watch where you're just not praying words, but you're getting a hold of God. John Bunyan said, when thou prayest, rather let thy heart be without words and thy words without heart. Years ago, just a couple years ago, 
Brother Ur and Brother Justin went with me on a missions trip we went to in the Philippines to be with Dr. Lorena. And we had a wonderful missions trip there. But as we checked into San Francisco International Airport that evening, the Brother Justin had uh, collected a bunch of stuffed animals for the very poor children there in, in the churches, there are a lot of orphan children, things like that. And he just collected a bunch and he put in a box. And, and he said, I said, uh, do you know how much it's going to cost? And he says, I'm not sure. I hope they'll give me a break there. And I said, OK, wishful thinking, but I, we'll see what the Lord's going to do there. Amen. You know, and uh, we came with all of our luggage. He brought his box and we waited on the scale there and uh, they put it on there. And the clerk looked at him and she's very sweet, very kind. She said, sir, she said, Mr. Fong, that's going to cost you 150 or 160 bucks. And just to be a poor, poor preacher, he looked at me and he looked himself and he said, Man, I don't have 150. 50 bucks to pray for for all these for the, these stuffed animals and i was about to say well you know brother justin we can just we can we can buy a lot of stuffed animals in the philippines 150 bucks amen and they're new amen not used the eyes are intact they're not falling out amen you know the stuffing's still inside there amen you know and she looked at him with that look you know the 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 people the counter you know give me your credit card show me the money and he felt discouraged that moment and after I just kind of let him talk, I walked up to Leah and said, ma'am, I said, I'm Pastor Fong. My church is across the bay, Heritage Baptist Church. I said, ma'am, we're going to your country to minister to your people. And tears coming down my eyes, I said, ma'am, I love your people. They need to hear the gospel. I said, these two young men are young preachers in the training. God's going to use them one day. God's used them now. I said, is there anything you could do to help us? Is there anything you could do to help him? He can't afford the 150 bucks. And she said, let me talk to my manager. She went to her manager, talked to her manager about what to do. The manager came out. He says, no problem. You can check it in. You don't have to pay for it. And they're like. <laughs> Brother Irwin is the first one. He says, Pastor, thank you. And Justin said, Dad, I don't know what to say. I said, don't say anything. Amen, you know. <laughs> I said, guys, there's a lesson behind all this. And they looked at me and says, what? I said, you have not because you asked not. Jesus is teaching us the importance of persistence and insistence in our praying. Look at this story here real quick. We need to hurry up. First of all, notice in verse 5, we see an unexpected problem. Which of you shall have a friend and shall go unto him at midnight and say to him, Friend, lend me three loaves, for a friend of mine in his journey has come to me and I have nothing to set before him. Now, here's the problem, the unexpected problem. Here's this man. It's at midnight. He's in bed with his family. Back in those days, people went to bed at 8, 9 o'clock at night because they didn't have all the distractions we had. They didn't have television, all that kind of stuff. They didn't have electronics. I mean, basically, the family entertainment was a fireplace. Amen? And after you had dinner and it got dark, I mean, there was a whole lot to do. And there were wild animals outside. So, you know, basically, they had one bed. Everybody slept in one big bed there. And dad and mom were in the middle there. Or dad was probably on the outside. And all the kids would be in there. So everybody's in bed. It's midnight. They're all storing away. They're sleeping. And somebody comes to the door like this. They're knocking at the door. And he says, who in the world could that be? And he goes to the door and says, oh, it's you. You came. He says, how come you're coming at midnight? He said, I've been traveling all day. I've been out all day. And he said, I just thought I would just keep on going to God's house. Well, he wanted to be a hospitable host. And this is his friend that came to give very dear friend. Like Brother Brinkman. Brother, Brink, Brother Brinkman, don't come to my house at midnight, though. Amen. Okay, you know. And he comes knocking at the door. And he says, he says, I'm here. And so this man who's the homeowner is feeling, feeling a sense of hospitality and obligation. And he looks at his friend. And he says, oh, man, it's midnight. And I'm in my night clothes. My hair is all messed up here. And, I, and he says, it's dark. And he says, but my friend's been traveling all day. And first thing came to his mind is Eastern hospitality. He's probably hungry. 
This unexpected problem. You know, praying happens. Prayer, prayer, some of our best praying happens when there's unexpected problems. He didn't plan for this man to come. He didn't know this man was going to come. But an unexpected problem, he had a friend that came and he felt compelled. He had to take care of that man's lead. Hey, listen this morning. Brother Francisco Castro didn't know he was going to have a heart attack a month ago. He had no idea last Sunday he'd be back in the hospital on Monday or Tuesday this week. He had no idea of that unexpected problem. And so this friend here in verses 5 and 6, this man who's the focal point of the story, has an unexpected problem. But something else, notice something else in verses 5 through 8. He has an unavailable provision. Notice he says, this man realized his friends come to him and he looks at it and he's thinking, we don't have any food. I've got five teenagers and they eat everything out of, they eat everything out, see man? And so he, he's looking around and he's thinking, man, we don't, we don't have any bread. We don't have anything to give this man. So he went to his next door neighbor who was very generous and very kind and he goes over next door. This is midnight night, mind you. And he goes next door to his neighbor and the neighbor says, who is it? What's going on? He says, hey friend. And he knew the voice. Friend, lend me three loaves. I need three loaves of bread. He says, would you help me? A friend of mine has been on his journey all night. Could you lend me three loaves? Now, he knew his friend had the, the, the provisions, but he didn't have the provision. There was a need. He had an unexpected problem. He had an unavailable provision. There was a need he had, and he couldn't satisfy that need. He had to go to somebody that could satisfy that need. Hey, you know what's wonderful about prayer? Every time you go to God, God can satisfy that need. He's a God in heaven who hears you and me. He knows what that need is. We, he knows that we are unavailable in our provision. He knows our scarcity. He knows our inadequacy. He knows what we're lacking. He knows our powerlessness. He knows you're not a doctor. He knows that you can't take away the cancer. He knows that you can't get that job back. He knows your burdens and heartaches. What a friend we have in Jesus. All our sins and griefs to bear. What a privilege to carry everything to God in prayer. So he goes, he takes the problem to his friend. A friend of mine, his journey's come to me and I have nothing to set before him. The unavailable provision, but notice the unwanted pressure. Now the burden goes from a friend who's traveled all day, an unexpected problem. He comes to the house. This man has an unavailable provision. He doesn't have bread to give his friend. And now he goes next door, his good neighbor, the man he knew that could provide the bread. And he puts his unwanted pressure on that man. There's pressure on two men, the host and the neighbor next door. There's pressure. I've got a friend here. I've got to feed this friend. I've got a friend in need. And I don't have friend. I don't have, I don't have food to give him. I have a friend in need. What am I going to do? And his friend answers him in verse 7. Trouble me not. The door is now shut and my children were with me in bed. I cannot rise and give thee. He's saying he could rise and give him. He's just too comfortable with those covers. Oh, he didn't want to get out of bed. You've been there. Amen. The alarm goes off in the morning during wintertime is really cold. You're thinking, Lord, five more minutes. Well, five more minutes turns in like one more hour. Amen. You know. He says, trouble me not, the door is now closed, the door is shut, I cannot rise and give, give thee. There's this, there's this un, unwanted pressure, they're both in the pressure's message, I've got to have bread. And so he keeps on asking his friend, I've got to have bread. He keeps on knocking, I've got to have bread. And notice Jesus, he's teaching us, he's teaching us, listen, you're not going to get your prayers answered unless you are persistent in asking and asking and asking. So notice Jesus wraps all this up in verses 8 to 13. He talks to us about an understandable principle. And I say unto you, imagine you're one of those 12 disciples, the light bulb goes on. There's a flicker in your eye, a flutter in your heart. Though he will not rise and give him, notice it, because he's his friend. Now, the ties of friendship. The tie for you and I with God is a father-son relationship. 
Though he will not rise yet because he's his friend. Notice what he says here. Yet because of his, notice this big word here, importunity. Importunity means persistence, insistence, asking again and again and again because he didn't say no. Come repeatedly, he said, I, he said, I cannot. It didn't necessarily mean he would not. He said, yet because of his importunity, he will rise and give him as many as he needed. And he's teaching them a wonderful principle in prayer. The reason why our praying comes short is not God's fault. It's your fault and my fault. God wants to know if you mean business with him. God wants to know if you're really serious about what you're praying for. God really wants to know, do you really, are you really earnestly desiring God to do something? Or do you think God is just going to throw you some change to help you along the way. Do you see God as a heavenly father, not as a human father? Do you see God as God who's in heaven, the God who answers prayer? He says, yet because of the importunity. And Jesus goes on by using the rest of verses by explaining importunity. Ask and it shall be given to you. Seek and you shall find. Knock and it shall be opened to you. For he that asketh receiveth and he that seeketh findeth. And he that knocketh shall be opened unto you. What man of you if he has a son? Watch, he's using common sense here. If you have a son, if you ask for bread, are you going to give him a stone? Are you going to give rocks to your son? Of course not. If your son is hungry, he says, if he asks for a fish, are you going to give him a venomous serpent? Of course not. He's using common sense here as an analogy, something they can relate to. And notice he goes on by talking about continued supplication. He says, how much more then, if ye then, being evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more shall Heavenly Father give the Holy Ghost to them that ask of him, the Holy Spirit to them that ask of him? I want to encourage you this morning. Get a list of people, if you don't have it already, that you pray for that they'll get saved. And keep on praying till they get saved. I want to ask you this morning to add on that list of paper to pray in the will of God that God would send labors into the harvest every day. I want you to pray with me that God will bless his church because Jesus said, I will build my church. He said, I'll build my church upon the ordinances. I will build my church upon the commandments. I will build my church upon the preaching of God's word. I will build my church upon the winning of souls and the baptizing converts. He said, I'm going to build my church. I want you to pray with me that God will give us a unifying factor in our church that will stay always there. I want you to pray with me that God will enable us to walk in the spirit and not fulfill the lust of flesh. I mean, when you study the prayers of the Bible, that's what we're going to do in this mini-series. It's to study how God answers prayer. May God put a stirring in your heart, whatever you're praying for, to pray with urgency and pray with fire to pray as if your very life depended upon it. To ask God to change the intangible. For God to take the impossible make it possible. Listen, the Apostle Paul said it this way, not to him that is able to do exceeding abundantly above all that we ask or think, according to the power that works within us. How many believe today God can do more than you can, you and I can ask or think? Amen. Jesus said, I know you're praying. I know you have a little compartmentalized prayer time. But he said, I want you to understand the Father wants you to have fellowship with Him. I want you to understand the Father wants you to have fullness with Him. I want you to understand God wants to answer your prayers and change this world. Listen, we're not going to change the world through technology. We're not going to change the world through our personality. We're going to change this world for Christ. We've got to change it by being on our knees and praying for God to do something for this world. Keep asking. Be precise and specific. Be persuasive. I will not let thee go unless thou bless me. Be persistent. Keep asking. 
Don't give up. Exercise importunity. Though, he's a, though that's his friend, he said, yet because of his importunity, he will rise up and to give him. Let's hold of God. Watch what God will do for you. Jesus gives us an injunction. Jesus gives us instruction. Jesus reminds us of our intention. Jesus goes a step further by emphasizing insistence. And as we close, would you notice this? Would you notice this? Jesus ended, verse 13, with a question. Do you pray? That's not what he said, but that's the essence of it. Do you pray? Do you pray expecting God to answer prayers? And as we close this morning, would you notice the initiation in prayer? Everything I said this morning is vain and useless if you don't initiate praying. Amen? Amen? I mean, do you believe God is alive? Do you believe God's real? Do you believe He's eternal and immortal and visible, the only wise God? Do you believe He answers prayer? Listen, if you believe that, you should be moved with a sense of urgency, and I should be moved with a sense of urgency to pray all the time. And want you to notice as we close this morning, the initiation. First, as a Christian, you want to learn how to pray? Just pray. Find yourself a place. Notice verse 1. As they came to pass, he was praying in a certain place. Do you have a certain place where you pray? A place to identify with you and God? And when you're not there, you feel like you're out of your element. You're out of your, you're, 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 you're just not in your right place. You find your certain place where you meet with God and God meets with you. Where you're going to pray. Many of you are busy and, and working. And I, I know a lot of our members, they pray during, during, while they're driving. Just keep your eyes open when you're driving. Amen. You know. And we pray, find that place, and talk to God, and pray without ceasing, and find a time where you repeatedly come to God throughout the day, and praying, and asking God to intervene. That's initiation, Christian, this morning. We ought to be moved by the fact, it's a sin not to pray. Samuel said, God forbid that I should sin in ceasing to pray for you. Hey, James said, from whence come wars and fightings amongst you, come they not of your lust which war in your members. Listen to this, ye have not because ye ask not. Listen, we're not praying, that's a sin. God invites us to pray. God invites us to come to His presence. But today, if you're not saved, the initiation of praying is the very first prayer that God's going to answer. And the very first prayer God's going to answer is when you call on the Lord Jesus Christ to save you from your sins. Go with me, if you would, in your notes and your Bible. As we close this morning, look at uh, Romans chapter 10, verses 9 to 13. Romans 10, verse 9, that if thou shalt confess with thy mouth the Lord Jesus and shalt believe in thy heart that God has raised him from the dead, thou shalt be saved. For with the heart man believeth unto righteousness, and with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. For the Scripture saith, whosoever believeth on him shall not be ashamed. For there is no difference between the Jew and the Greek. For the same Lord over all is rich unto all them, notice, that call upon him. For whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. Listen this morning. If you're not 100% sure you're saved, you've been religious, if you've been going to church, but you know you're not saved. By the way, church won't save you from your sins. And being baptized won't save you from your sins. And following a set of rules won't save you from your sins. And repeating some kind of prayer that you learned as a child is not going to save you from your sins. The very first prayer that you can pray that God will be that God will answer is that prayer that's spoken about here in Romans chapter 10, where you call on the name of the Lord to save you from 
your sins. I told the uh, Richmond West Contra Costa Bible study on Friday night. I was we're going through the finish up the letter G on the doctrine of God. We're talking about the attributes of God. I was sharing with them my testimony about what I was like before I got saved. And I wasn't a good boy when I before I got saved. I was a terrible sinner, dead in trespass and sins. But growing up religiously, I learned to pray all the model prayers that they teach you to pray in in a parochial school. I learned how to pray the Our Father, and I learned how to pray the Hail Marys, and a bunch of other things like that. I remember as a boy getting on my knees during Lent and going through the stations, the the 12 or 15 stations, whatever it is. I can't remember what it was now, but the stations that you'd go to and you'd pray. They'd give you a piece of paper, you'd pray that prayer. But I always remembered all those prayers. I always felt like this. I'm saying a prayer, but I don't know if, I don't even know what I'm praying for. I don't even know what I'm praying about. On December 4th, 1971, as a faithful Sunday school teacher came to my home and finally let go of my stubbornness and my pride as a 14-year-old boy. And recognized I was a sinner on the way to hell. Recognized I wasn't 100% sure I was going to heaven. I've been living a lie and believing all these lies that, that had just embedded themselves in my mind. And I realized, man, I'm going to spend eternity in hell. The very first prayer I prayed was on December 4th, 1971. The very first prayer I prayed that God answered was to ask Jesus into my heart to be my Savior. If you're not saved this morning, you're not 100% sure you're saved this morning. The first prayer God's going to answer is what Romans 10 says, that if thou shalt confess with thy mouth. What's confession? It's saying with your mouth what you believe in your heart. Stronger than the word admission. God, I'm a sinner. Who needs to be saved? The lady Helen yesterday. We asked her. Are you a sinner? I'm a sinner. Jesus died for your sins. I believe that. Jesus rose from the dead. I believe that. Can you think of any reason why Jesus Christ should not be your savior? No, I want to receive him today. And she prayed. And said, God, I'm a sinner. I need to get saved. Your son Jesus died on the cross for me. I take him right now as my Savior. If you're not sure you're saved this morning, I'm not asking if you're religious. I'm not asking if you're a good person. Everybody in this room is a good person. But I hate to tell you this, we're not good enough on our own to get to heaven. It's not goodness that gets you into heaven. It's God's grace that gets you into heaven. For by grace are you saved through faith, not of yourself. And the first prayer you want to pray today to get things right and make sure this Sunday, June 11th, is your second birthday, is to pray and ask Jesus Christ to be your Savior. Lord, teach us to pray. Your first prayer this morning, your most honest prayer you'll pray, is to ask Jesus to be your Savior. Christian, do you pray? Have you spent time with the Lord in prayer? Are you transformed into His image because of prayer? I invite you this morning to say, Lord, help me. I'm not prayed like I need to pray, but I want to pray like that. I feel like the disciples. I want to do that. This morning, if you're not saved, I'm going to invite you in just a moment to accept Jesus Christ as your Savior and make sure today that your name is written in heaven and make sure today that you're a son of God. You do that this morning. Make that your prayer to ask Jesus to be your Savior. Father, today, thank you for the instruction Jesus gives on how to pray. Lord, teach us to pray. We should pray all the time. 
We should pray with honest hearts. We should come without reservation. We should come uninhibited. We should come humbly. This morning I pray that whether new Christians, seasoned Christians, whoever we may be, pastors, preachers, staff, deacon, whoever we are this morning, our heart of hearts realizing, Lord, take us further to the learning process of prayer. Teach us to pray for results, for answers, that the will of God is done on earth as it is in heaven. How many Christians this morning, how many Christians this morning would say, Pastor, God spoke to me. I don't pray like I knew to, but I need to pray. You'd raise your hands and pray for me. Pray for me that God will help my prayer. God bless you. Thank you for being honest. God bless you. God bless you. I need to pray. I don't pray like I need to, but I need to pray. How many others would say, pray for me this morning that I would pray like Jesus taught his disciples to pray? You can put your hands down. How many would say this morning, I'm not sure I'm saved. I'm not sure if I died right now, I'm going to heaven, but I want to know. I want to pray and ask Jesus to be my Savior. Would you pray for me that I'd get it right, that I'd to take Jesus could be my Savior? You'd raise your hand and say, Pastor Fong, pray for me. I want to be sure I'm saved today. Would you pray for me? Anyone like that? Pray for me. I want to be sure I'm saved today. Father, you've seen the hearts of all of us. Hypocrites pray. Heathen pray. People in hell pray. Lord, help us to sense the urgency. As Jesus' disciples saw Teach us to pray. God, move us from being apathetic and indifferent and callous and stuck with ourselves. And Lord, today we pray you'd shaken us and awaken us to pray. To pray with urgency. To pray with unction from on high. To pray for God's will to be done on earth as it is in heaven. Father, there are many family needs. There are many personal needs. Many health needs. And most important, there are many spiritual needs this morning that we have. Bring us into your holy presence today. Teach us to pray as we give the invitation. May there be a liberty of the Holy Spirit working in our hearts to respond to the invitation. Christians saying, Lord, I need to pray. Forgive me for the sin of prayerlessness. Unbelievers today who are not saved, they'll come and ask Christ to be their Savior. Father, remove the restraints. Remove the spirit of intimidation, spirit of fear. Give us spirit of liberty this morning. We pray these things of you in Jesus' name.